0: Welcome to the Takin' a Walk podcast. The show where we explore music history on foot. Sometimes virtual and often taking a walk in person. We're available at all the podcast destinations. Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and the podcast playground. If you like Taking a walk, please share it with your friends. Today, our host Buzz Knight talks with a man who has one of the greatest gigs of all time. Joe Spaulding is a Boston institution who oversees one of the most iconic music institutions in the world, the Bach Center, known for years as the Wang Center, home to not only some of the greatest concerts ever, but also home to the Folk Americana Roots Hall of Fame. Join Buzz next with Joe Spaulding.
4: Well, Joe Spaulding, it's so great to have you on the Takin' A Walk podcast in person. Yeah, I'm, I'm very honored to be here, Buzz. One of my great joys about the Taking a Walk podcast is connecting with new friends, but reconnecting with old friends. So I've hit the jackpot. I'm reconnecting with Joe Spaulding. I'm at one of the greatest venues uh, of all time in the Wang Center, the Bach Center. Uh, And we're also here for the first time. I'm seeing the Folk and Americana Museum. So I've
2: really hit it out of the park. Well, we're thrilled that you're here. And uh, we are currently sitting in one of the exhibits called the Music Hall. And if you remember back in the old days when you and I were both a little younger, I used to come to then the Music Hall rather than the Wang Theater uh, to see all kinds of shows. And so it's kind of fun to go full circle and come back and now have uh, the world's only Folk Americana Roots Hall of Fame uh, right here in the Wang Theater. So, I'm going to put you on the spot right out of the gate. What are some of your
4: personal favorite uh, either music events or just artistic events that have happened at the WANG?
2: Well, it, you know, it, it's uh, I'm asked that question, Buzz, all the time, all right? And it's a little hard to answer because I've been the CEO here for 38 years, right? So, my staff tells me I've seen over 7,000 uh, uh, concerts and events and all kinds of stuff. So. I, I have uh, personal favorites, um, and they happened even before I um, even contemplated being here. I mean, uh, I first saw Cat Stevens here. Uh, in like 1970, right? I saw Bruce Springsteen here in 1970-ish uh, when he was playing on stage with just acoustic guitar and a cello player, right? And, and I've seen the Allman Brothers and the Grateful Dead and I've had them back, all right, several times during my career. And, and so uh, I think the most memorable concert, though, for me was uh, a couple of years ago, 2014, when we had uh, Yusuf Cat Stevens back when he was touring. And he only played six theaters uh, in the world. And Wang was one of them because he really enjoyed being here. And back in those days in the 70s, Cat was opening for America. All right? And that's a funny story because I spent the night under the marquee uh, here at the then Music Hall to try and buy my ticket. And guess who was sitting right next to me? Ernie Bach Junior no. and that's like fifty years ago, right? And so And I couldn't figure out how we got to the box office window and he ended up in the first row and I ended up in the balcony. I have subsequently figured out how Ernie did all that. Uh, And one of my great pleasures in life before uh, Ernie stepped up to be the box center was I got Ernie hooked when I brought back Cat Stevens and I put Ernie in exactly the same seat that he was in that many years ago. That's tremendous. So uh, I've had the opportunity to... Do a lot of things that way, you know. Opening a Phantom of the Opera, opening Miss Saigon, being the first city out of out of New York for the for Rent, the musical, uh, to to many concerts that continue on today. In fact, last week I had a real special one, and his name was Ed Sheeran played here right before he played Gillette Stadium for two sold-out shows. So it's uh, been really special. And they all have uh, a combination to, to the Hall of Fame. And they all have an affinity to this theater. So tell me about the uh, genesis of the museum. Well, um, back in 2000, probably 17, 18, you know, uh, uh, when you're doing this, uh, for a living for all these years, and you know, you know, I was back one of the founders of Great Woods, go back further than that. And so listen, it was a, it, it sort of evolves. You have to be able to change, right? And as consolidation has gone, and the live nations have gotten bigger, and you know the A G S have gotten bigger, and the, and you know, and you are we're a nonprofit performing arts center. We're our own little entity here in the city of Boston representing uh, all of New England. And so you have to think outside the box. So what are you going to do when all this consolidation is going to go on? So in 2019, I actually came up with this crazy idea to open a, a Hall of Fame and because of my years of experience, I have friends who run the Country Music Hall of Fame and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Grammy Museum. and So I went around and I visited all these places and uh, decided that, geez, we really could do this. And I went looking for a venue. But I had Neil Young playing here at that time. And Neil said to me, I don't think you should go anywhere. Why would you want to leave the building? Why don't you put it in the place that we all perform? And I thought, That was an interesting idea to go and discover that I had 57,000 square feet of available space with nothing in it. And I said, "Okay, let's do it actually in a performing arts hall. And no one has ever done that before.
4: Well, I was at that Neil Young show, first of all, which uh, was the only time I ever saw Neil, which was such an amazing show. I have goosebumps just thinking about that. Moment, but so Neil prompted this. Well, so he
2: prompted it to the extent that you know he he, and and that after we had the conversation, he got up off the stage twice in that conversation and said to the audiences on both nights, "You know, Boston is is the folk capital of North America." And I thought to myself, "My God, he's actually saying that kind of thing." And then he put it in his. Blog and I said, okay, we're in. So now we got to figure out how the hell we're going to pull this off, right? Well, I had some really good friends. I'm David Bieber, an old time friend of ours, yep. um, and the David Bieber Archives, you know, we decided, okay, well, let's try to look at this. And you know, I've had a, a long career as a singer or songwriter too, and so I knew most of these players. And so when you look around the music hall and you see Ron Pennell's pictures or you see Robert Corwin's picture of Bob, uh, Pete Seeger or you see the famous ones of um, uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary uh, and you see all the artists that are on the wall here. Every single one of those artists played here. all right. And actually some of those pictures are of them playing here. And so this gave us the genesis of saying, okay, here's what we're going to put together. So then we decided, okay, you got to have good people. So we, uh, you know, made a deal with a group called the Museum Collective, which is Bob Santelli who used to work at the Country Music Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Paul Allen's popular one, ran the Grammy Museum for 15 years, now runs the Bruce Springsteen Archives, and we banded together with Dina McCloud from the um, uh, Woody Guthrie Center in, in Tulsa, and we went out and we went to the world. Everything that you're gonna see today, Buzz, on your walk, um, has been delivered by the Arts. All right, so nothing's been purchased, everything's on loan from estates, from Pete Seeger's original banjo to Tom Rush's guitar that I saw him play in 1968 uh, with the naked woman on the fret, to, to Tom Schultz's guitar from Boston. They're all here because the artist thinks this is a good idea.
4: You have a great uh, advisory board also for the museum. Uh, there's a long list of some notorious figures that are part of that. Talk about some of that group.
2: Well, that was that was that was fun too. All right, because uh, there used to be an album in this in this case right over here, Buzz, and it had a it had a picture of Noel Paul Stuckey uh, from Peter Paul and Mary. Uh, on releasing his first album that wasn't Peter, Paul, and Mary, all right, and it was called Body Works, and in that picture um, is a gentleman with a tie and coat with a long, darker beard than mine is today, (laughs) with a little bit darker hair than I had then, and 45 years ago, I was arranged to, he was a friend of mine, and I had recorded at his studio in Blue Hill, Maine, and I had you know, he was a mentor to me, and uh, I helped do that album cover shot, and we had the record here uh, in part of the Hall of Fame, and Noel came on board, and, uh, you know, we were friends with Joan, uh, and, you know, Betsy Siggins is from around here too, you know, to, I could just go on and on and on, and they all said, yes, I, I want to be a part of this, and we then had a big gala. Uh, And all the artists came, they all performed, we raised like $300,000 and then COVID came and we shut down for two and a half years. So uh, how are things post COVID? Well, that's the fun part about this thing. You know, when you look at the history of the Country Music Hall of Fame, and I'm only going to use that as one example. but. Most people don't know that the Country Music Hall of Fame is, you know, it's like 59 years old, right? And it started a long time ago, you know, the, when, when Broadway wasn't quite like what Broadway is today in Nashville. And, you know, we've actually reopened in September of 2021, 22, all right, last September. And we now have seven exhibits going uh, we're, we're ahead of the game of where my sisters and brothers out there have you no know, long struggled to get to where they are today. And today, Country Music Hall of Fame is quite something, right? It gets a lot of tourists. Our model is not quite the same because we're a living, breathing, performing arts center. So it's not general admissions that you're going to the Rock and roll Hall of Fame or the Country Music Hall of Fame, you gotta come and make a tour, you gotta book a tour, you gotta go on a tour, Uh, and if we have artists playing here, you can't go to certain places, right? But we even put exhibits backstage. And why do we do that? So that when artists come, they actually don't rarely come to the front of house, so they get a chance to walk right from their dressing room right into Arlo Guthrie exhibit that you'll see today, or Life in Six Strings, which is Ernie Bach's guitar collection. And they say, holy mackerel, this thing really does exist. Would you like my guitar? And the answer is, yes, Neil, we would. So that, that's how it works.
4: We had on the previous episode uh, Paul Kingsbury, actually, from the Country Music Hall of Fame, so he sort of took us through as the, uh, I guess, the curator or historian there. So is it fair to say you are the Paul Kingsbury of the Folk and Americana Museum?
2: Well, at the moment, that is true, all right? And uh, uh, I am, and I have a great team, and Bob Santilli and Dina McLeod and And David Bieber and others that have been, and you saw the advisors. Yeah, they're they're, these are you know famous musicians that play, you know Bob Crawford's and the Avett Brothers, right? So or Avett Brothers if you want to. And it's it's been really wonderful that way, and so they have helped to spread the word, right? And as you spread the word, it takes time to build, but um, uh, uh, it's helped us get artists to come. So it's it's. You know, when you're competing against, uh, and it's not competing, because we promote and present with Live Nation and AEG, but, you know, we're having to battle MGM Fenway, and we're having to battle Roadrunner, and you have to balance between the pavilion and here, and are there enough artists, and you have to do that all day long. And then we wanted to start our own proprietary program, which we just, we just had our first festival. It was called WazFest. And we had Don Was, you know who he is, one of the most famous producers in the world. Uh, and we had a festival uh, for four days, and it was a huge success. Um, so we're feeling pretty blessed at this moment. And so we're 10, 11 months back open, and um, uh, things are going along uh, very swimmingly at this particular and we're opening two new exhibits, uh, one in, uh, two in August, in September. September 13th. One is Bruce Springsteen, um, which will be in both spaces backstage, and on the, on the third floor, we're opening the Legends exhibit, and the instruments that we're going to have and the memorabilia have been in the Smithsonian, they've been in the National Museum for uh, African American Music in Nashville, they've been in other, other venues, but they have never been in the same place at the same time as they will be at the Folk Americana Roots Hall of Fame in September. I
4: love it, I love it. Well, can you take me around to the room here that we're in first and sure. uh, share some of your thoughts and um, showcase some Sure.
2: Stuff? That would well, be great. Um, so, uh, you know, I was mentioning uh, that one of the things I always do when I do the tours myself, which is rare these days, but I go to people like you. We've been in the business a long time. So you look at that album cover. One of
4: my favorites of all time
2: Music from Big Pink That's the music from Big Pink But as your audience knows There's no There's no The band on there And there's no Music from Big Pink Right? Do you know why that is? No Okay well it's not That looks like a pretty good Illustration, original, right? So then you walk around here and I say, well, so let me just tell you who did that. So here's the self portrait. Can you read what it tells me right there? I think that says Bob Dylan. That is exactly correct. So here's Mr. Dylan's picture, and Mr. Dylan painted that picture of the music of Big Pink. Bingo. Okay, so bingo. That's how you try to tie these in. Yep. These guitars you see here are a's of Bredner's. And you know, he was in the Modern Lovers, he was in Robin Lane and the Chartbusters, he created this as a high. Bobby. And uh, right before he died, unfortunately, of a heart attack, he uh, donated all these guitars to the Hall of Fame. And, you know, these are sort of interesting when you look at these to decide, okay, well, you know, uh, uh, it stimulates thought, right? Beautiful. And you keep going around the room, and, uh, uh, you know, these are the famous pictures by Robert Corwin, and this is of... Uh, uh, Pete Seeger and banjo. And when you go to the third floor, his original banjo is now on the third floor. And it hasn't been anywhere in you know a decade or more. It's been sitting inside a vault. But it's here. And these are all Ron Pinnell's pictures, which we were talking about early or on, of Neil Young, all playing here. So he's played here over 50 years, right? Now, I love this picture over here. And since we're friends, Uh, Everybody comes in and says, oh, my God, look at the, this is in the Wang Theater. You can see everybody's up and going like crazy, and they all want to know who was the act. And I didn't really want to tell them that this is 10-inch nails, (laughs) because it has nothing to do with folk Americana roots. But the idea was it's a beautiful picture, and you'll see it on the third floor where we have pictures of uh, Billy Strings playing here and others.
4: But this does sort of connect in that, didn't Trent Reznor he did, uh, yeah. work with Johnny Cash? Yes, he did. So it all so kind of comes
2: back. Well, that's the point of Folk Americana Roots Hall of Fame. So everything started with roots, all right? And then it just blossomed out. And, you know, Ed Sheeran walked to the front of the stage uh, after he played with his band and then did his hits. And then he walked to the front of the stage, unplugged his guitar... Walked away from the mics, stood on the front stage of the, of the wing, looking at 3,500 people, and said, I am a folk artist, I have always been a folk artist, and I'm going to sing you an Irish folk song that my grandmother taught me. And then he sang it a cappella. It's great. And you could have heard a pin drop. So he talked about the experience of being an artist where I'm now going to play you this hit song. But I used to play this song just the way I'm going to play it for you now, in bars and nightclubs for 20 years and nobody listened. And you threw things at me. Now I'm going to play it and you're going to sing it back to me. Okay? Which they did. And that's the point. It grows from where it is. But arts keeps us a civilized society. And the music and the history of that does the same thing. And then if you keep going around the room, this is a famous picture of Mr. Dillon and Al Cooper at at, uh, Newport Folk, and Joni Mitchell at Newport Folk, and Peter. this is the most famous picture of Peter, Paul, and Mary. And look how young Noel is. Noel's now my friend. He's 83 years old, 84. He makes me look, you know, I'm only 72. He looks 50, right? And And I'm walking around limping and you have the of
4: energy of uh, a 14 year old well well I shouldn't say that you have an energy of somebody who's a year and a half old who has that boundless energy because right. we know some 14 year olds just stay in their room and play that, video games that,
2: that's that's exactly right <laughs> so then we mix it up with a lot of of stuff that David Bieber has in his archives and you know famous pictures of Joni and a lot of her stuff and you know she's been here and she played one of her last concerts was here um, and uh, Mark Spector, who's her manager, uh, is a very good friend, manager of Graham Nash as well. And all these artists, we just presented Graham Nash at the Cabot uh, and the Music Hall, and hopefully having him back here. And then the purpose of this wall, and this wall is about to come down, uh, so you're probably seeing it for the last time. Um, all these artists, you know, from Odetta, to Doc Watson to Joni these were all here Cat Stevens 1974 Bruce Springsteen 78 John Prine you know so all of these artists then came along look at Brandy right now Brandy's the biggest artist on the planet right now yeah. right and this is her at the Life is Good Festival in Camden right she was just at levitate, levitate this past weekend um, and then the idea of this was that you have established New and the newer. That artists never changed. The old artists are the past, and the newer artists are the present, and the ones that are coming, you got to nurture, right? And that's what the Hall of Fame is about. Um, and then again, over on this side. And you know, we have Leonard Cohen's Lifetime Achievement Award, uh, lots of memorabilia. And so you can spend a lot of time here. Uh, uh, when you come back. And isn't it interesting, as you get up and go around to other spots in the building, you're going to see exhibits that the public sees every time they come to a concert. So when 3,500 people were here for Ed Sheeran, they're wandering the thirds and the fourth floors and down here and through the cultural heroes and seeing all of the exhibits that they can see. But they don't have any time. Right? So what do they do? They book a tour and they come back. And that perpetuates what we're trying to do. It's brilliant. This, um, this poster here,
4: um, that's my old radio station that I was part of it, that for, is it's
2: exactly for correct. many
4: years. This is 92.9 WBOS, the holiday concert, Indigo Girls, Amy Mann, uh, Tuesday, December 10th. I don't know what year that was, but you know, what
2: that, isn't that the funniest thing? I've now noticed it that I, when I like, collect all this memorabilia and I'm trying to decide what it was, none of us dated these things, right? You know, how stupid of that was that we didn't say, you know, 2019, 1964. We just didn't do things like that, right? We just thought it was, hey, this is what's happening, it's happening now. It's awesome. And look, this is my friend Chuck McDermott in Wheatstraw. Chuck is on the, on the Hall of Fame uh, board, and I don't know if you remember him. Boston artist. Sure. Um, smart businessman, politics, you know, went into environmental and, and energy. Now is making records again in his 70s. Um, how cool is that?
4: I noticed home and an old friend that you reminded me yeah. of. Uh, yeah. Is he still active? He's very
2: active with us. Yeah. Very
4: active with us. He was Allman Brothers. For he, was manager, all- right? he still is
2: Allman Brothers yeah. manager. Yeah. So can we go out of this room and go to the Cultural Heroes? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. And I'll just do that, and then I'll, uh, I'll let you guys wander on the third floor. I don't know how much time we have. We have, but, oh. we have time. Time's on our side. So, um in the lower lobby and they're not lit up at the moment and I apologize for that. I went to Nashville and we were a sponsor of the Americana Music Festival down there and we worked with Jed Hilly, who runs that, who's a great friend and a great guy and he, he's really made that come to life, it's a great event and uh, so we're very involved in, in that and in fact we're going to be announcing uh, very soon Uh, our inaugural class that's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, and we're going to announce it just before Americana, and many of the artists are going to be there, and we're going to do a workshop on the Hall of Fame uh, at Americana. But I'm down in Nashville, and I'm told by one of our other friends who's on our board, Doug Yeager, who's our sort of theater historian uh, Greenwich Village guy, um, said, you got to go see this guy named Alan Laquire. He's a sculptor. And I said, well, why the hell would I go and do that? And he said, because he has the cultural heroes. And I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, these huge head busts, all right, of his cultural heroes, his cultural heroes. And I said, well, who were they? Well, they were Lead Belly. They were Woody Guthrie. They were... Billie Holiday, they were Paul Reardon, they were Josh White, they were, you know, all Paul Robinson, all of these cultural heroes. And I went, and I went to a studio, and here they were. So look, Buzz, so as you walk by, uh, this is about Lead Belly. And look at the eyes. Look at these. Yeah. Look at them. And so when those Perkins kids were here, they were touching it, all right? and be able to follow it. You can shoot a QR code, tells you the music. We bring kids down here on tours, and they sit here in the lower lobby, and they take a break from the tour, because the tour takes about an hour and a half, and uh, um, they then can study what's going on, why did these people uh, uh, you know, change the world. Every single one of these people in this room has a United States poster stamp. Now, Jerry Garcia doesn't have one, I don't have one, okay? <laughs> but they all do, yeah. all right? And yet, all of these people were thought of as communists. They were leading, you know, revolts. They were all about, but they were all about diversity and inclusion uh, back in the 20s, all right? And so I said, my God, we gotta have these in Boston. Would you loan them to us? And they did. Awesome. So they're here, and they represent what we do. So in this room, um, which is the lower lobby, will be the Hall of Fame. So all these walls, spaces, will have the names of all the classes as the years go on. And the cultural heroes, you'll be amongst the cultural heroes. Isn't that a pretty cool idea? It's terrific. And, you know, here in Boston, we talk about, you know, well, you know, we're, we sometimes are referred to as a racist city, and we're sometimes not, and we're working hard to change that. Well, this is our small way of which we can say this is really a, a special and important. So we do concerts in here. We do readings in here. In fact, Bert Holman has a friend, uh, Alan Paul, who just wrote the new book on the Allman Brothers. He's going to be having a speaker series in here uh, later on in, in, in the fall. So we're doing all those kinds of things. Um, and making it really fun that way
4: has a tremendous
2: presence for sure. Yeah, I could feel it. So you, you, you the tour sort of starts from here yep. um, uh, and, uh, uh, and And then moves backstage and moves on the stage and we're using the stage too. So the long-term plan is uh, And I well, you'll get a chance to go to the stage uh, uh, but, but we have the second largest stage house in the country all right. It's huge. I mean, you don't really notice it how big it is. It's huge. I can seat 750 people for dinner on the stage if I wanted to, right? And sometimes we do. But. Uh, We're going to use it as exhibit space as well. And so we're designing exhibits to go in in container cargo type things, where the door opens up on one side, it's all uh, uh, air-conditioned on the inside, humidified, all the rest of that stuff, and the exhibit's in. And then a forklift picks it up and stacks it at the back of the stage. So when there isn't a concert, we just take the forklift and put things on the stage, and you get to look at exhibits on the stage. It's kind of clever, right? I love it. So I think that's what we've been attempting to do. Very cool. Awesome. Does that work? It's perfect.
4: And there's
0: shows in here, we do events, uh, smaller events.
2: Yep, that's what I was saying. We do concerts and we just had Chuck McDermott did his uh, record release party. So if we have more time, we'll go to the third floor if you want. Sure, let's I go. I got a few minutes, yeah, right?
4: Yeah, if you do, I do. All right. I, your, your energy is amazing, Joe. Well...
2: What did you have for breakfast? I haven't had breakfast yet. <laughs> I spent two hours commuting. Um, so, so we shut down. A lot of people. I let go about 750 people. I ended up keeping 15, uh, and we took a tact which was an unusual tact. Dover were dark, shut. We did the ghost light series, all right. And if you haven't watched it, you should. Okay. It's on our it's on our site, right? And, uh, and. Uh, uh, from that, people were blown away. And I didn't do it live streaming it. I actually got it on broadcast. So Joe and Adam and we helped get it on NBC, um, Boston, and NECN, and Telemundo. They all went at the same time. And they were half-hour specials, 10 of them. And they were highly successful, raised three four $400,000. And that kept us going. So then you just rode in a 100-year-old elevator, this elevator. But it took me two and a half years during COVID and $3 million that I had to raise to do get these elevators so you no longer have to hand crank them, you push the button, they're modern, we just went to the third floor and they had never gone to the lower lobby. So we took the third floor, so this this was a hallway and the hallway you're about to see was completely um, empty, nothing, it was just space. And we decided, all right, let's start and create um, uh, Boston a music town. Why is Boston a music town? And let's get memorabilia, and let's let's do more than that. Let's show folk, blues, bluegrass, rock, classical, hip-hop, the whole nine yards, right? And that's what we started. And this was the second exhibit that we did. So Music Hall, The Cultural Heroes and third exhibit, and this one here. And this space, as you can see, has really nothing in it at the moment, but it will in September. This is where all the legends' guitars, so we're gonna have Lead Belly's guitar, Josh White's guitar, Oscar Brand's guitar, Robert Johnson's guitar. We're gonna have all that here. Woody's fiddle, and here's Pete Sanger's banjo, right? Look at that. All right, so you saw the picture in the musical, but now you see it in real life. This is, the, this is the original one, right? Yeah. Pete had a second one made because this one was so heavy that when he got older, he couldn't really, it was just it didn't work as well. So he has another one, so we're gonna have both of them.
4: You know, I had Jorma Kalkinen on a few episodes back, and uh, I asked Jorma the question about his uh, first connection with finger-picking, and he told this amazing story that uh, even before he played guitar, his father, Yorma's father, took him backstage uh, at, after a Pete Seeger show. And he actually asked Pete to hold up his hand because he was so fascinated by, uh, you know, the hand and the finger-picking. Yorma said, I told Pete that story years later. He wasn't as impressed as I was. <laughs>
2: well, then, so then we created this hallway. And here the, here is, you know all kinds of stuff so here's you know Time Magazine with Joan Baez on it and and, you know representing a lot of the artists that were there here's the guitar of Tom Rush that I was talking about this is really one of the reasons I got into being a singer-songwriter because gee Tom Rush young young Long hair, big bushy mustache, women were screaming and yelling, and he's playing the guitar with a naked woman on it, singing Joni Mitchell songs, and I said, Jesus, I want to do that as a <laughs> All right? And so we've taken and, and created uh, here, honoring each one of the different genres, as you can see, and nowhere has anyone ever done hip-hop uh, in a Hall of Fame, and we, we did, and uh, there's a reason that most people don't know this in Boston, so the... Uh, Hip hop archives are at the University of Massachusetts, Boston. Oh, right in our own hometown, right? And that's very important. And it's very important to represent this genre of music, as it's very—it was critical. Here we got rock, but at the same time we're doing this is a Dropkick Murphy stuff, right? And their newest album is all acoustic, and it's all what do you got three songs, right? So here's Boston's party band recording in Nashville, Woody Guthrie songs, acoustically. Amazing. All right. And here is Joe Perry's uh, famous Aerosmith guitar. Isn't that really cool? Look at that. It is. It's beautiful. And here he is playing it. And um, he told him, delivered it. Beautiful. Right. And... You go down, and here's uh, my friend Peter Wolf's stuff, uh, and that was a funny story, too. Peter delivered them, and he told me what he was delivering, and then I said, but Peter, there's no, the, the, the murmurs weren't, weren't there, weren't in the, when you brought it over. He said, oh, God, I left it in the, in the trunk of the car. He drove back, okay? Rick O'Kazek's jacket. Look how I mean, I couldn't even get that out of my arm. I mean, he must have been very thin, right? And then here's Tom Schultz's guitar, as well. Um, and again, jazz, classical, Leonard Bernstein's jacket, Tux, Keith Lockhart's sneakers. You know, so
4: what a great exhibit this is.
2: And, and this sort of brought to life of what we're trying to do, right? And, and there's, there's another one on the fourth floor. Uh, that features a lot of new artist pictures that we've been over the years recently to show that the, the you know new artists are coming on and they were doing, adding guitars and that kind of stuff this summer up there. And so that's a brief history of this.
4: What a tremendous uh, place to visit. We have a lot of Boston listeners to the podcast, but we have people from all over the country and globally. So yeah. I think... Uh, Anybody who's listening to this, if you're planning a trip to Boston or you're just thinking about it, um, you know, try to book a way to come here.
2: Listen, we're trying to become a really new cultural destination, right? And we're being successful at that. So the state government says this is really important, all right? And so they've been supporting us in the budget. Meet Boston, which is, does all the conventions and all that. Absolutely, we want to we want to market this. We want to help you get this known. We want people coming from overseas. We want them staying in the hotels. We want them going to the restaurants, and that's what we're attempting to do. And we or A is an organization put about eighty million dollars into the local economy anyway each year. So now this is adding a new component.
3: It's
2: tremendous. I first thought that was my head, but then it didn't have the bald spot, so I knew it wasn't my head. <laughs> but um, this is a, a night when we had uh, Billy Strings. Beautiful sound. Look at the view. As you can see, sta- everybody was standing.
4: So, Joe, do you uh, think about what you do and pinch yourself every
2: day? Yes. I consider that I have um, the best job in the entire world. And people do ask me uh, as we're looking in the grand lobby. They say, "So, what, what, what gives you the most pleasure?" I like to stand on the in the uh, loge level, and watch people come in, and they walk through the doors, get into the grand lobby, and everybody does one thing. They all look up, all right, and the smile goes on their face, and they're excited, and then, you know. As you know, because you've experienced it the same way I have, this is a unique venue between the artist and the audience, right? And the sound is impeccable. This building is about to be 100 years old, right? And it's impeccable. And so, you know, here you have that ability to change people's lives every single day. It's almost like doing God's work, Uh, but you know. And you you stimulate thought, and you know if you believe as I do that a creative person is a better person, then I get to do that every day in my life, and that's pretty cool. And I'm thinking about slowing it down a little bit, uh, and uh, uh, you know I'm looking forward to I'm playing my guitar more and more again, and I don't think I'm going to be writing that way, but I, I enjoy uh, just keeping up with it. Right. So I think I got the best job in the world.
4: So in closing. We often ask guests on the podcast, "Where would we be without music?"
2: We would be nowhere without music. All right, uh, uh, music has changed and will always make the world change and evolve. Right? Always, and and it's not going to go away. Right. So there was a period during COVID when there was a there was a move that live is never coming back right i absolutely thoroughly oppose that idea live was coming back and going to come back in a vengeance because we all need that and good news is i was right
4: joe spaulding thank you for this amazing time you could tell i've had a smile on my face the entire time here at uh the Wang Center, the Bach Center, and the Folk and Americana uh, Roots Museum. And uh, thank you for being
0: on Taking a Walk.
2: I'm, I'm thrilled to have been a buzzer. Great to see you again.
0: Taking a Walk with Buzz Night is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.